Welcome to It's All About Jesus, a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel Eagle. You are listening to a Sunday morning message by Pastor Mike Sasso. If you would like to join us for church, we meet every Sunday, 10 a.m. at North Star Charter School, 839 North Linder Road in Eagle, Idaho. You may also join us live streaming at that time. Go to cceagle.org at 10 a.m. to watch the whole service live. If you can't join us then, you can always go back and watch the video. Let's listen in to today's message. It's all about Jesus. It's all about the Lord. Hebrews chapter 11. We're going through what's called the, the uh, often called the Hall of Faith. And, you know, each time we're looking at a different aspect of faith. If you've noticed, if you've paid attention, you see that I'm going slow. I, I tend to move slow anyway, but this is different. We're going slow on purpose so that we can learn from the different characters. We've looked at Enoch and Noah, and we, we've looked at, today we're looking at Moses, we looked at Abraham, all, so many people that we, I've never taught through the Old Testament in Sunday mornings. We've done that on midweek. And so this is my chance to sneak in some Old Testament stuff and look at some of the stories of the Old Testament. Now, today's message I'm specifically calling the identity of faith. I want to explain that because you think, you mean, what is faith? Well, we're looking at what is faith all the way. But growing up in the 90s, no, actually it was in the 60s and early 70s, growing up there was this big fad that most of the kids were into, and it was, I'm trying to find myself. Maybe your kids are doing that right now. They, only it's now the kids are trying to change themselves, okay? But we're trying to find myself. And what they would do is, They'd want to find themselves by looking within. Have you known anybody like that? Maybe you've tried that before. And it was a big fad. Who am I? How do I find myself? And they'd look at the wrong place. They'd, i got to find myself. Look in there. Don't go in there. It's scary. You don't want to go in there. Because you, if you look within yourself to find yourself, you will not be happy what you find. As a matter of fact, the scriptures say in Romans 7, Paul said, I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. Because you know what? We're all sinners. You look deep enough, you're going to find some real nasty stuff. And, and that's why Jeremiah proclaimed in Jeremiah 17, 9. He says, the human heart is most deceitful of all things, and it's desperately wicked. Who can really know how bad it is? Well, if you look within, you might, <laughs> you might get a glimpse of it, okay? So here's the thing. The solution to life's riddle of who am I and I want to find myself, the solution is never looking within. The solution to life's riddle is looking up. You don't find yourself by looking within. You'll, you'll get lost in yourself. It's ugly in there. It's scary in there. Uh, so the answer is really to seek to know the God who made you, and then you discover who you really are. Okay? You can all go home now. Because that's what you're going to learn today. That's what we're going to look at, okay? So your true identity comes from knowing the one who made you. And by the way, if you look within yourself, I told you it's a scary place to go. Only 
Only God should really be going in there. Only he could handle it. Only he could fix it. That's why David prayed that search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there be any wicked way in me. Lead me in the way everlasting. David prayed that because he goes, I don't want to search me because every time I go in there, I get lost. But Lord, you search me. You know me. You try me. So I want to start with a couple of, a couple of fill-ins. Those of you who are visiting, we, we have inserts in your bulletin, and these are used in the small groups, but you can have fun with them as well. And here's your first fill-in. Our endeavor is to look up in faith. Those are your three words, look up in faith. Know the identity of God, and therefore know our own identity. I'll say it again, but here's the thing. It's, the, it's really what I want you to learn in today's message. Our endeavor is to look up in faith, know the identity of God, and therefore know our own identity. That's how you find yourself. You find out who you are in Him. You find out what He created you to be. You know, I think today, especially in today's culture, in today's society, what's happening out there, many people are building their whole life on wrong identities. You know, I mean, they ask you, how do you identify? Well, the question is, how does God identify me? How does God want me to identify? They've come to wrong conclusions because they're looking within rather than looking up. If you look within, you will come to a wrong conclusion. People's emphasis and priorities today have been on, I think, in my opinion, minor secondary things. It's like, I want to find out who I am. So what you do is you, you build your whole who am I relationship on my nationality, my race, gender. That, that's just a portion of who you are. And if, if you build your whole identity on those kinds of things, nationality, skin color, race, gender, you're selling yourself short because you're so much more than any one of those things or all of those things combined. So here's your next fill-in. A major component of, who you, of your identity is not merely who you are, but whose you are. W-H-O-S-E, who do you belong to? That's really what makes your identity. Not who you are, but whose you are. And I want to start with a verse on this, and I'm going to end. After we go through our Hebrews text, I'm going to end with this verse because I want you to get this. And it's 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation. Paul says, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? Do you not, excuse me, you do not belong to yourself. You do not belong to yourself. If you are Christ's, you do not belong to yourself. I guess that kind of deals with my body, my choice. I don't belong to me. It's God's body, God's choice. Keep reading. For God bought you with a price, so you must honor God with your body. So what do I really want to do? Who do I really want to be? Well, whatever desires or, or inclinations my body has, I'll follow it. You're going to go the wrong way. You're going to make the wrong decisions. But I've got to go, okay, God made me. He designed me. He knows how my body works. He knows what's best for me. I want to know what he wants for me and follow his inclinations Rather than my perverted way, because believe me, we all have, you know, as I've, hear, I've heard people many times go, but you don't understand, I was born this way. Well, I understand, you, we're all born broken. We're all born twisted one way or another. We're all born, could I say the word, perverted. 
We're born sinners. That's why we need to be born again. That's why Jesus said you must be born again. Because we need to be made new. We're, we're not right, okay? Anyway, I read the verse. We'll, we'll come back to 1 Corinthians because we need to get to Hebrews. But I tell you what, when you realize that you don't belong to yourself, when you realize God bought you with a price, the blood of Jesus was shed for you, and you, you realize that you've got to honor God with your body, changes everything. You want to talk about identity? 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 and 20 changes everything. And I think, I, I listened to a lecture, I listened to a lot of lectures, maybe I listened, you guys like to listen to music, I listen to talk stuff, you know. Uh, one guy brought out a point, he was saying that the American Christian today seems to be obsessed with their rights, but oblivious to the responsibilities. Hmm? Rights, responsibilities. Father, right now we come to you, and as we're ready to look into the book of Hebrews, I pray you make clear what, what do you want to say to us, Lord? What do you have to say? We want to hear it. Lord, what does the scripture say? What does your word say, Lord? We want to know your word. We want to hear your voice and obey it. And we want to adjust our philosophies and our attitudes and our beliefs to match what you say, not just our opinion. Lord, it's your truth that matters, not our opinion. So speak to us now. As we look at your word, we honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. We've been studying, as I said, through the Hall of Faith, Hebrews chapter 11, where the Holy Spirit brings forth 17 witnesses to what real faith looks like, because we want to know what faith looks like. Now, by the way, as I'm looking at it throughout the week, I'm realizing there's 17 specific witnesses, but then there's going to be groups of people who come in there to add to that. Um, but today we're going to look at number nine. The ninth witness, and it's Moses, and it's verses 23 through 29. So let's just, let's just look at that, and uh, then we'll go tear apart piece by piece. Hebrews chapter 11, starting with verse 23. By faith Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents, because they saw he was a beautiful child, and they were not afraid of the king's command. By faith, Moses, when he was of age, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. By faith, he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for endured, excuse me, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he who destroyed the firstborn should touch them. Verse 29, by faith they passed through the Red Sea as on dry land, whereas the Egyptians, attempting to do so, were drowned. There's a lot here, okay? If you know your Bible, you go, this could be a series, okay? But, but I'm going to try to cover all this in one, in one Sunday, and if we don't, It'll be a series. Okay, we'll see how it goes here. Okay. So remember now, <clears throat> something I always want to help you keep in mind is that the Holy Spirit's behind the scene reason for bringing all of these witnesses to the witness stand. Um, these Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, was written to Jewish believers, Hebrews. And they were Christians, Jewish Christians, who were struggling with their identity. Okay, their, their, their question was, now that I found the Messiah, now that I found the Christ, how do I identify with God? Do I identify with God 
through him alone, through the Messiah, or through him and all of the traditions and the requirements of the law of Moses. And that's the ongoing battle. We talked about this. That was the first battle of the early church in the book of Acts, of how much of the law of Moses is a requirement for me. Do we have to make all the Gentiles who want to get saved become a Jew first before they can become a Christian? That was the big battle. And so we talked about this a lot, and we will continue to until we get through Hebrews. But all these witnesses, by the way, they're, they're being brought forth in Hebrews chapter 11. They're all there to make one big argument. The argument is, how do you get right with God? You get right with God through faith. And this is, the Jewish believers needed to know this because they thought you get right with God through all the legalism and all, keeping all the commands, keeping all the, the rituals and the traditions and the, you know, jumping through all the hoops. Religious people are like that, you know. They think the way you get right with God is you have to just keep doing all these things rather than a relationship. You've heard the expression, Christianity is, a, is not a religion, it's a relationship. And so that's the struggle with all religions, even when they start out right, like the Jews, the Jewish religion, it's a right-on religion, it's established by God, but it began to get spin off. And by Jesus' time, it was totally corrupt. And that's why his biggest enemies, his biggest opponents, were religious people. And so the big argument here is that the way to be right with God has always been through faith. Not just now, now that we got the New Testament, it's through faith, and the Old Testament is through the law. It's always been through faith. That's why the writer of Hebrews is taking you through the Old Testament, that you see all these witnesses. It's never been through your self-righteousness and you do everything right, because have you noticed that people were studying? Some of them are worse than you. These people, even though God commends them for faith, they've done some bonehead things, okay? Where do we get to Rahab, Okay. I mean, we're going through the Bible, seeing the people that God commands, and yet we realize, hey, if they could make it, maybe there's hope for me, okay? So what's quite revealing to me in this big argument that I'm just explaining is that, that what all of these witnesses so far, including Moses, it did, what they demonstrate is they were all made right with God before the law of Moses, and the Jew of that day would go, oh, we've got to keep the law of Moses, we've got to jump through the loops, we've got to do all the, the rituals and uh, all the ceremonies. And all. Well, so far, every one of these people, including Moses, were made right with God and had that relationship with God before the law of Moses even came around. So there's something to take note of, okay? Now, um, let's get started. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 11, verse 23. By faith... Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents because they saw that he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's command. Need some explanation, I hope you realize, looking at this. Because it really wasn't Moses' faith at this point, right? It was the faith of his parents that they're thinking, no, we, we've got to do what's right. We've, we've, we've got to save our child and not listen to Pharaoh. And we'll talk about what happened with Pharaoh. Matter of fact, I, I should just read that right now. What was the backstory to that? Why, why were we afraid of what command? Well, in Exodus chapter 1, and I'm going to put it up on the screen for you. If you want to turn to it, you can. But if you don't have the New Living where I'm going to read from, it, I might lose you, okay? So New Living I'm going to read from because it reads the story form. It's so good. Uh, Exodus chapter 1, verse 22. Here's the back story, starting with verse uh, 1, verse 22. Then Pharaoh gave this order to all the people, 
throw every newborn Egyptian boy, or excuse me, Hebrew boy, into the Nile River. But uh, you could let the girls live. They're trying to get, there's too many, it's kind of population control. And the, there were more Hebrews, they were slaves, but there were more Hebrews than the, than the Egyptians, and we're in trouble. What if they rise up and revolt? We're in trouble. So let's get rid of all the men. From now on, let's kill every male Hebrew child. About this time, a man and a woman from the tribe of Levi got married. The woman became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She saw that he was a special baby and kept him hidden for three months. But when she could no longer hide him, she got a basket made of papyrus reeds and waterproofed it with tar and pitch. She put the baby into a basket and laid it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile River. And the baby's sister then stood at a distance watching to see what would happen as they shoved it off into the Nile. Soon Pharaoh's daughter came down to bathe in the river. And her attendants walked along the riverbank. And when the princess saw the basket among the reeds, she sent her maid to get it for her. When the princess opened it up, she saw the baby. The little boy was crying, and she felt sorry for him. This must be one of the Hebrew children. Well, they did obey and throw him into the Nile, but not, not the way it was planned. And she said, she, she said that, wait a minute, she said that this must be a, a he, one of the Hebrew children, but look what happens here in verse 7. The baby's sister approaches the princess. Should I go and find one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? What a setup, right? This is my little brother, and this could have been just a little girl. That's why she was able to get so close to Pharaoh's daughter and the maidens, is that she's probably just a little girl wandering around the banks and watching, looking curious, and go, do you want me to find a, a Hebrew woman who could nurse that baby? Yes, do. The princess replied, so the girl went and called the baby's mother. Perfect. And take this baby and nurse him for me, the princess told the baby's mother, and I will pay you for your help. This has got to be a Bible story, right? So the woman took her baby home and nursed him. Oh, wait, this is wonderful. They want me to kill my baby. I don't want to kill him, so uh, put him in the basket, send him in the Nile, the Pharaoh's daughter finds him, and sends him back, and I'll pay you to raise him. I'll pay you to nurse him. Now, we don't know how long, because at certain cultures and certain times, they would nurse children for several years, not just like, we're just anxious to get it over with, right? But in, in these cultures, we don't know how long it was, but this mother had time with her son, and, and many, there's many traditions and stories that she actually got to teach him the Hebrew scriptures and teach him the Hebrew ways. But anyway, it says later in verse 10, when the boy was older, we don't know how much older, his mother brought him back to Pharaoh's daughter who adopted him as her own son. What a story. I know you've, you've seen the Ten Commandments movie, right? We've all seen it. But I still, I, I never get tired of hearing this story. Then the princess named him Moses for... He, she explained, I lifted him out of the, the water. Moses means to be drawn out. Matter of fact, kind of funny story. Uh, when we worked at Calvary Chapel Downey many years ago, uh, there was construction being done in an old gas station that we were converting to a bookstore. And there's the restroom. All the tiles were broken up, and some kid found a little cat in the tiles, living in the tiles uh, of the store. And so we, we kept him. We named him Moses, because he was drawn out of the tile. 
I couldn't resist. True story. You know? We named him Moses because he was drawn out of the tiles. Okay. I couldn't help it. Okay. Go back to Hebrews chapter 11, and now notice something interesting I don't want you to miss. When it says in verse 23, By faith Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents because they saw that he was a beautiful child. So if he was ugly... You read the Bible and never think of stuff like that? We could read it and, get, and miss the whole point. It wasn't like, well, throw the ugly ones away and say the truth. That wasn't what was happening here. It's not applying, implying that if he was ugly, they wouldn't have kept him. All life is beautiful. He's a beautiful child. Have you ever seen ugly babies? Well, I've seen ugly babies. <clears throat> but he was a beautiful child because all life is beautiful, especially human life. And... He, we were made in God's image. That's our identity, folks. We're talking about the identity of faith. Let's start there. We're created in the image of God. And could I run with this a little bit? I'm telling you something. No baby should ever be considered a nuisance or an object to be thrown away or gotten rid of. Because all babies, all life is beautiful. They saw that because he was beautiful, it wasn't just throw away the ugly ones, okay? That's not it. I think this is a great argument. A pro, great pro-life argument that all life is precious. But above all other life, human life. Let me just remind you, in Genesis chapter 1, when God created Adam and Eve, God said, let us make human beings in our image. I'm reading from Genesis 1.26. To be like us. They will reign over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, the wild animals on the earth, the small animals that scurry along. The highest form of life above all other creatures was human life. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. How many is that? Just wanted you to know there's two genders. Male and female, he created them. Then say, 26, what are they now? They're saying there's 27 genders or whatever. It's like, the world has gone crazy, folks. Okay? Male and female, he created them. Notice. Now, I think we've got to see every human baby as beautiful. Never an object to be disposed of, because it's not disposing, it's murder. Okay? Now, I'm not going to make the whole message a pro-life message. And by the way, if you've ever been involved in an abortion there's forgiveness for you. Can I say that before I run off? Because there's a great argument for pro-life in the Bible. But there's also a great argument that God loves us all. And all who repent and turn to him, there's forgiveness, there's healing, there's restoration. I want you to know that. So if you've been involved in, in having an abortion or helping somebody having an abortion... You're not condemned. It's not the unforgivable sin. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. But I say these things so as maybe to prevent anyone else from doing this, okay? Not to beat you over the head if you have, all right? So let's keep this in proper perspective. Are we going to finish today? Well, let's see. Verse 23 again says, By faith Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents because they saw that he was a beautiful child and that they were not afraid of the king's command. Because they were not afraid of the king's command. Here's your next fill-in. We can never let fear make our decisions for us. We can never let fear make our decisions for us. One more. We must live our lives 
by faith, not fear. That's what we look at. That's what this, that's, you know, another reason why I'm taking so long in Hebrews 11, truth be known, I need this. I need this. You know, every stage of life has new challenges, new fears, new, you know, hurdles to jump over. And the Lord is just reminding me what real faith is and that I, even though I'm a pastor and I'm teaching others, I need to learn to walk by faith and I need to know what faith looks like and how it should look like with me. So I hope you don't mind. I'm doing this for me. We can never let fear make our decisions for us. We must live our lives by faith, not fear. We'll try to move on to the next verse. Verse 24, by faith, Moses, when he became of age, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Hmm. So here's another thing. Faith, you want to know what faith is? Faith sometimes refuses. It refuses something. Now, uh, I do notice in this verse it says when he became of age. Because sometimes we're immature. Sometimes we don't see the whole picture. Some of us are slower than others. Some of us take more time to finally get it. And by the way, he was 40. <laughs> he was still living at home with his mom. No, he, he was 40 in his mother's basement. He was 40 before he finally, it says when it be, he became of age. He was 40 when he finally says, what am I doing? I'm going to go visit the Hebrew children, the Hebrew people. They're my people. I want to get to know who they are. Who I came from them. I'm a child of God, God's people. I've got to figure this out. And then he saw, he saw an Egyptian beating up, and, and some say it wasn't just beating up there. He was trying to kill one of the Hebrew slaves. And Moses rose up and, and broke it up and killed the Egyptian and buried him in the sand. 40 years old, and he, he made that decision. He made that stand. But I'll tell you something. Every choice has a cost and a consequence. Every choice we make. And the identity of true faith sometimes refuses to identify with something. And your faith, true faith, refuses to identify with sin. hope you enjoyed today's program. You can find all of Pastor Mike's messages and any other information you would like about Calvary Chapel Eagle online at cceagle.org. In iTunes, you can subscribe to the podcast Calvary Chapel Eagle Sunday morning. If you are new to the area and don't already have a home church, we would love for you to come check us out. We meet every Sunday, 10 a.m. at North Star Charter School, 839 North Linder Road in Eagle. That is one block north of Highway 44. You can call or text the church phone at 208-891-2635. Once again, you can get any information you need at cceagle.org. There you will also find a link to join our Facebook page. So until next time, remember, it's all about Jesus. Yeah, the power of His name.